Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your heart is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the, is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth, or in the NKJV, mammon. So, before we begin, I want to go over a little bit of context here. Jesus is in the middle of his greatest, longest sermon ever recorded, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, and, and I was was reading this, I couldn't believe it. At the end, all it says is that the people were like, wow, that was... I was like, man, these guys didn't even get fed at the end of the longest sermon. They didn't eat food, like loaves or fish, right? Other sermons, Jesus is like, hey, by the way, I'll feed all 5,000 of you, right? And uh, I, I couldn't believe it. But at the same time, people were enraptured by Christ's authority on Scripture. He goes through uh, three chapters in Matthew and he simply says at the beginning that Jesus sat down, he saw the crowd, he sat down on the mountainside, and he began to teach them. And that's what our Lord and Savior does for us. And, and through this, he goes through many different things that regard our daily life. Today, we're going to focus on what we treasure, what we've done. So, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Christ starts with warning them to not store up for themselves material treasures. Right? What does he mean by that? Obviously, here in America, we, uh, we know what material treasures are. right? And we have whole businesses dedicated to storing our material treasures stuff. And that day, Jesus would be including something else as well, and something that's often overlooked, because is it, is it wrong to own things? No. But what Jesus is getting to the absolute point is that what we value. Jesus is talking about, well, what bank are you investing in? We look at our families, we look at our jobs, we look at what we have, what we own, what's around us. Those are good things. Nothing to be ashamed of. But Jesus is asking, what do you value? And so for you high school graduates, of course, you are exiting a world that constantly demanded your attention through phones, through classes, through work. And guess what? You're entering a world that will constantly demand your attention. And so the difference here is that you no longer get to told what you value (laughs) from your parents, but you get to choose what you value in your lives. You have to decide what you treasure 
for yourself. To give you a little bit of an example, I knew a man in Flagstaff. I only met him the one time. He was a friend of a friend. And uh, he told me, I asked him where he went to church, and he told me, well, I don't go to church anymore. I was like, well, why not? And he goes, well, one morning I decided to sleep in, and it was way better than going to church. I was like, that's fascinating. His treasure was in sleep, right? And Christ, in this passage, he says, guess what? If you value what's on earth, sleep is good for a period of time, right, where you have to go back to sleep, but eventually uh, it leads you to ruin. It, it, it doesn't last. And so he chose to look for something else, and he had to make that choice. And so do you. Christ is clear. If you treasure earthly things, then they will eventually rust. They'll bring you to ruin. But Christ doesn't leave you in hopelessness, right? He moves on and he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does he mean by this? Well, turn with me to Philippians chapter four. We're gonna start in verse eight. All right, so... Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. For the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and guess what? The God of peace will be with you. Promise there at the end. Right? He's... Paul's talking about, hey, dwell on the things that are heavenly. Dwell on the things that are um, such and such. For example, um, just the other day, I heard my son, unprovoked, tell my wife that he loved his mama. I was like, man, boy, that's right right there. That is honorable. Looking in the news, there's there's a certain... Uh, court case that could be overturned. That's justice. That's right. I want to dwell on that. Those are things that we should value. Yesterday I took staff up into uh, up to Box Canyon for a hike, and I got to dwell. I got to uh, see the lovely creation of God. See, those things are all good. You know, if my son is telling my wife that he loves her, and, but it's because of a um, provoked or selfish reason. If I'm valuing the behavior, but I'm not valuing Christ working in my son's life, then are we focusing on the first part of Matthew 19, or are we focusing on Matthew 20? Let's go back to Matthew 19. <clears throat> And we read this for our reading. Let's turn there to verse 16. It says, And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you seeking me? And what is good? 
There's only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor. And the young man said to him, well, Jesus, I kept all this. And uh, Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property or as NKG says, wealth. He had many possessions. So we can obviously take, well, yeah, I don't want to dwell on bad things here on earth, but the rich young ruler, he was dwelling on also good things of this earth. Right? He was doing the law. He was following the rules and he was being righteous. And yet, and yet through his self-righteousness, he was not valuing Christ in his life. It came down to what he valued in his heart. And he valued his treasure more, his earthly goods more than he valued earthly treasures. Christ wanted him to sell all his possessions and give, the God, give God the glory, but he couldn't. And so he went away grieving. Last one, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. You don't have to go very far. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. The rich young ruler grieved because he valued his treasure more. Jesus, in this passage, he will talk about, well, what do you need to value? And it says, verse 36, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And so Christ is telling him, Look, if you want to do this, then you need to, Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That is what we need to value in our lives and what we treasure. For if we put our stock, our investment in earthly things, it won't do anything for us. It might give us a little bit of benefit, but if we put our stock in what Christ, what God is, and what he has done for us, then it will give us eternal life. These tangible things help us value God and help our hearts stay pure, which is what we're going to talk about in the next passage. The key, the key question that I'll continue to ask in this sermon okay, is, who are you investing in? What bank are you investing? Graduates, who are you investing in? Matthew six twenty-two through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So Christ here is being a good rabbi, and obviously Christ is the perfect rabbi. But he's being a good rabbi and taking a common household item and he's using it to illustrate a point. 
And, uh, and of course, oil lamps were all the rage in his day. And so he's, he's using them to uh, get his listeners thinking. All right, so when you take olive oil, okay, there's two kinds of olive oil back then. Obviously, now we have whole sorts of different processes, but back then they had two kinds of oil from the olive. Okay, they would take the olive and then they would break it. All right, they'd break it open. And inside the olive is what they call liquid gold. Okay, and they would take that liquid gold and they would keep it and use it for very special things. Okay, like anointing and like medicinal purposes. Okay, it's expensive. I mean, it's hard to get. And, uh, and they would only use it sparingly. And then what they do after they break the olive, then they crush it press it and kind of like grapes they'd make wine but olives they press it and, and that oil that came out of the olive okay, what they would use for food and and their oil lamps for lighting and other things like that however this was a mixed oil it's it wasn't pure okay and Jesus is taking this and he's saying look if you want to be pure full of light then you need to have the liquid gold as your oil. Because every Jewish person would know that in their temple, God commanded them way back in the day in Leviticus, that Exodus, Exodus and Leviticus, that they, would only, they should only use pure oil, the liquid gold, in the lamps in the temple. God wanted, excuse me, God wanted to set them apart from the world and and in the same way he's telling us that if we want to have our treasure in heavenly things then we need to be set apart from the world so you might be asking the question graduates do I go live in a hole what do I do now do I never make any money of course not but this is the beauty of Christ in our lives you're either full of darkness or full of light. And um, to give you another illustration, my college pastor would always tell us, well, when it comes to the Bible, it's like a pregnant lady. You're either pregnant or you're not. You can't be half pregnant because that would be really weird. And, uh, and we're like, okay, well, thanks, Pastor Dan. And I'll never be pregnant, but I get it. I understand. Okay. This is the essence of the gospel. And I want to hone in on this for you guys because in our Christian faith, our faith rests on the gospel. His holiness is an impossible standard that we can't meet. And usually, I don't have to go very far to find a hypocrite. Let me tell you, it's usually in my bathroom mirror. I can't meet God's standard of holiness, that pure lamp. But because of what Christ did on the cross for us, and he died for us, he forgave us, and then he rose again and gave us new life, a redeemed life. Now, I'll still never reach perfection, but instead I have a life that I can be like Christ. To be a lamp that is full of light, rest in the gospel of Christ. 
Matthew 6, 24. Now no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. Boy, I'm flying through this. You're welcome. I thought about it this morning, and I was like, you know, I remember a pastor telling me that he liked having uh, his guest speakers go longer than him because it made him look good. And I was like, well, maybe I could try that, but then I remembered you're all armed. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go longer. That seems dangerous. So... Finally, Christ gives the ultimatum. And he says, look, you got to choose. You can't serve two, two masters. Now, who here has seen Hogan's Kind? I grew up on it, amazingly. I'm not that old, but, uh, but mom found it at the library, and we watched it and loved it. So there's an episode where uh, one of the soldiers, his name is Carter, he... Uh, <coughs> he gets accidentally put into the German army, right? So he's now serving the U.S. Army and the German army. He's, he's in a conundrum. <laughs> like, I don't know how to do that. Well, Hogan is like, well, you got to do it for the time being because we have a mission to accomplish. But by the end of the episode, Garter is really feeling the effects of trying to serve two masters, right? His buddies hate him. And, uh, and he's super tired because he's running back and forth. And, uh, and it's not going well. He just wants to go back to serving one master. He just wants to go back to being in the U.S. Army. And in the same way, and Jesus is, is saying that we can't serve both masters. He uses a word at the end called mammon. And the NASB says wealth. And in the KJV and the NKJV, they use mammon. And uh, I like to use mammon as well, even though it's a a weird term. But uh, in our English language, when we say wealth, it can mean all sorts of things. And in ancient languages like Greek or Aramaic, they would have specific words for very specific meanings of what they wanted to get across. For example, you've heard of the, the different kinds of love in Greek. The same way here in Mammon is that it's wealth, but personified in the worship, an evil worship of wealth. Because I want to emphasize the point that God is not, Christ is not condemning those who are wealthy. He's condemning those who love more God. To give you two examples of this polar opposites, I had a high school buddy who went off uh, after we graduated. Um, he went up to Wyoming to play basketball, and he ended up started working for the oil fields. He was 20 years old, and and Kevin, he was miserable. He his life was becoming a ruin. He was making all this money. He was, he had the dream, right? And he chose to serve wealth in the personification of evil worship, and it was destroying his life. His life is still a little bit in ruin. It's gotten much better. And I think, I think it's because Christ got a hold of his heart. And on the other side, 
I can think of many missionaries have uh, given up what they could have and for the sake of the gospel. And they chose to serve God and their life is changed for the better. And I can also think of many people in my life that have stayed, that haven't necessarily gone to the mission field and decided in their job and in their wealth, they serve God. Guess what? They're used, they're blessed. The God of peace is with them. And I'm a product of that. We go back to the question, who are you gonna serve? What bank are you going to invest in? One more page turn. Let's go to Joshua 24, 14. Start in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. Uh, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I, I know many people, and our house included, had the, a nice plaque that had that verse. And I remember growing up reading it constantly and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua knew who the real God was, and his life was crazy. You know, he went from being a slave in Egypt to wandering around the desert in 40 years to being in command and conquering nations. And he knew that God was always by his side. He knew which God he was going to serve because his God destroyed everything else around him, other, all the other gods around him were nothing compared to the God he served. So again, I ask, will you be like Joshua? Will you serve God no matter what? Even if it doesn't look like he's doing the right thing in your life? Will you serve God when uh, things are crashing down around you? Graduates, this is for you specifically. When I was a freshman in college, so a year out of high school, I... My life, at one point, seemed to come crashing in. Everything I wanted to do, well, God was turning it on my head, right? And it was hard. But I remembered God's promises. I remembered in his word uh, what he has told me. I remembered trusting Christ, and I knew that well, I could, I could serve other things, but I knew that, that God had called me to serve him. And so he'll take care of me. And my life has never been the same since. So let's talk about some application, right? For you, for our graduates. You're making the jump into an exciting new chapter. So what do you do? What does it look like tangibly to serve God with all your hearts. Well, you've heard Trevor talk over and over and over again at youth group and Tuesday night Bible studies, how to do that, right? The main important way 
is being in your word constantly, day in, day out. But you have to make that choice. Secondly, um, having a, a strong prayer life. But that takes time. That takes training and effort. But it's never going to happen unless you decide that you want that and you, you choose to pursue that. And, of course, lastly, with Trevor, and he always says this, even said it in Sunday school today, being a part of a church, whether that's here and you stay or uh, you're, and you go somewhere and it's a different church, be a part of your church, corporate worship, being with your fellow believers and choosing to pour into them and vice versa, them pouring into you, right? So finally, something Trevor was right in. It's about time. I told him I was going to make a joke about him. So remember God's promises, being in the word, praying, talking with God, and striving to serve him in his, bri- in his body. These things will help you to dwell upon the things that are heavenly. These things will help you treasure what God treasures. Seniors, let Christ, let Christ be the center of your life. Invest in him. Invest in his bank. Seek to give him glory no matter what you decide to do. And lastly, uh, charge to our church family. Where your treasure is, there our hearts will be also.